Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crypt, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, June 16th, 2014. And on this day in history, 30 years ago, the Blues Brothers premiered in Chicago. That's DJ Grandpa's favorite movie of all time. Move them on. Get them up. Move them on. Get them up. Roll high. Cut them out. Ride them in. Cut them out. Cut them out. Ride them in. Roll high. First up on the crib this week, a Kickstarter alum, Joe, with his comic, The Mighty Titan. Hello, how are you, Joe? How you doing? Wow. The Mighty Titan himself. <laughs> You've been on Kickstarter for a while, man. You must know just about everybody. Two years now, running my own campaigns. I didn't know it was such a personal story for you, man. I guess all stories are personal. Yeah, that was me uh, still, you know, trying to wrap some of my cancer experiences in, in a superhero shell, in a sense. Right. So this whole thing has been therapeutic for you. Yeah, cathartic, I'd like to call it. <laughs> I don't want to be insensitive to your story in any sort of way because I, I try never to be insensitive to people's stories, even though I guess I am kind of a jerk at times. But <laughs> We all are, don't worry. <laughs> I'm wondering about the people who backed you each time. Have a lot of the same people just come back to see the story progress? Right. How has it changed since last time? The main thing, people are coming back because they know I deliver. You know, you have a lot of people who put out, you know, crowdfunding campaigns and they never deliver or when they do, it's just not what anybody expected it to be. So, all right. So tell me about this guy, the Mighty Titan. Tell me about him and then maybe how he equals you. Probably in order to tell you about Titan, I probably have to tell you a little bit about myself first. When I was 33, uh, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer, my right kidney. Anybody who who's 33 years old, I mean, I, I liken it to, you kind of feel like you're invulnerable, you know, nothing can hurt you. You know, I was living the American dream. I had a house, you know, a wife, two kids, two cars. From the outside, everything's perfect. Right. Everybody wants what you have. Right. And all of a sudden you get this diagnosis and, you know, as a young adult with cancer at the time, 10 years ago now, there really wasn't many outfits out there that could help someone there was a plenty out there for people who were older and have cancer because that was a hell of a lot more uh, prevalent, I guess you could say, a lot more, you know, a lot more of that. But at 33, they didn't know how to handle it. You know, I didn't know how to handle it. I pretty much threw myself into myself and I just didn't want to hear from anybody. Right. My wife, my kids, my parents, you name it. I just wasn't a happy person. Now, this sounds like a self-destructive path. I wanted people to go away. I mean, growing up as an only child... I kind of like being alone as it is sometimes, but this was different. This was like folding myself into that and nothing and no one could get in. But what I did do then after my cancer surgery, I was home for a few weeks and uh, I just started thinking about it. I had already published a few comics and I already knew what went into going into comic books. I had a couple of comics. One was called Shadow Flame. Another one was uh, Ripper Man. Uh, right. It's funny thing is Ripper Man actually came out the day of my cancer surgery. So I couldn't even go like, you know, to a store and pick it up, you know, and be proud of it. You know, I'm sitting in, uh, you know, Hackensack Hospital. So I was starting to think, you know, like, what if an invulnerable hero got cancer? How would he handle it? But they don't get sick. They might, you know, but 
they don't get sick like we do. And my whole thing is I wanted him to, you know, not him, me. I was thinking at the time, you know, what if an invulnerable hero got cancer? How would he handle it? How would he deal with it? You know, I was a very big Superman, Captain Marvel fan. So then I started thinking, okay, well, if Titan's going to be invulnerable, he has to have a weak side. You know, it's the first time I ever created a character that was sort of like another character to me. Right. Titan's more like Captain Marvel from DC more than anything, except he's not a kid. He's a 36, 37-year-old everyman who can turn into this, you know, god, essentially. More than a god, he's a Titan. That's where it started. I wasn't, you know, then I was, I was in such disarray that I didn't even think about doing comics at the time. It took me... But hold up, you, you were in disarray, but then you still got this Titan thing. I did, but I kind of put it away. You know, I didn't really do anything with it at that time. I created the character, I sketched him out, you know. But your but life was, was a mess, so you couldn't. Yeah, my life was, just, was terrible. And then uh, 2007, it came back. I had another occurrence of kidney cancer, this time in my left kidney. Oh. So yeah, I was done. I mean, <laughs> if you think I was bad the first yeah, time. Yeah, you were toast. Yeah, I was like. I'm glad my wife's not here. If she heard me say that to you, she would have hit me. <laughs> <laughs> There's things you lose when you get cancer. You know, right. one is a clear mind. From the day after you're diagnosed, you never again think of the fact that you can, li- you know, like, you know, when is it going to happen again? So you can't be everything for everyone. And that's the other thing about when you have it. You hear about it so much, but it doesn't mean anything to you until you, oh. until you get it or until someone you really care about gets it. Right. I got you. It's funny because in the last issue that I'm working on now, it's not the last issue, but it's. I was about to say, you say the end. I was like, dude, it. I mean, you know, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the end of the story arc that I'm Okay, on. I'm thinking so, art meets reality. I'm like, dude, right. you okay? No, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm clean as far as I know. You know, I go for my scans every year and, and so far. So good since 2007. I haven't had a reoccurrence. Okay. Right. But it's always there. When I go for my scans, I'm, I'm a horror show, you know? <laughs> you know, like people can't be around me. I, I go right back into being that idiot, you know, that... Don't talk to me. I don't want to deal with it. Let me get this over with. And then afterwards, we'll come out and we'll deal with it. You know, since, you know, doing this project, as I talk to a lot of people who have had cancer, especially when I was running the first Kickstarter, you know, people came out of the woodwork telling me their stories. And, and it was crazy, you know, like listening to people who lost people or people who survived. It's just amazing to me how these people, you know, they're warriors, you know, in my head, not me, because I don't think so, because I think if I did it, anybody could do it. But it's obviously that's not true. You became like a lightning rod setting yourself up in this way. The first campaign put me in the hospital with so much stress, I couldn't I was about it. to say, the Kickstarter <laughs> is crazy, and you're doing a, you're sick, and you're doing a campaign. It put me in the hospital. <laughs> I was saying it. I wasn't sick then, but right after we hit the goal, man, <laughs> I hit $10,000 goal with the first Kickstarter. Yeah. Two days later, I was at a comic book signing, and... I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, I was pure exhaustion from being up 23 hours a day, tweeting and pushing and trying to fulfill this, you know, dream and and knowing that if I didn't hit the goal, I was done. I couldn't do it. And I pushed and pushed and pushed. And I was probably the most obnoxious person on Twitter at that time. But I got through with people, you know, and people joined my cause and helped me push too. I'm going to have nothing but insensitive questions for you. I'm a... 43-year-old Italian from <laughs> Italian American from New Jersey. You can't be insensitive with me. But you've overcome. <laughs> well, I'd like to think I have. Yeah. <laughs> to crowdfund, man, you almost must alienate every person you've ever had in your life because you have to ask for money for this 30 or 60-day period intensely, right. and you have to keep doing it 
and get kicked off a of MailChimp, get barred <laughs> from LinkedIn. Been in Twitter jail a few times. <laughs> How do you deal with that, man? Because you've had four. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. The, the first one was the beast. Right. The second and third, I was funded in less than 48 hours, both of them, fully funded. Yeah. Again, because I think people realize that I deliver. I'm sincere. I do what I say I'm going to do. Now, I had a guy say it to me yesterday. I wish I had it in front of me, but he emailed me and he told me he loved the book. He got issue three and four and he loves it. And his exact words were, you didn't half-ass anything. Everything was done quality, you know, and that's what's important to me, that it's done in a way that if you pick this comic up in a comic book shop, you're not going to know if it's a Marvel or a DC or a Red Anvil like mine, you know. Right. It's a comic book and it's a good looking comic book. And it reads like a comic book, and you're not like taken away from that. And if you read comics as a kid, like I did, the whole idea of reading a comic book, it's escapism. For that 20 minutes that you're reading that book, you're not thinking about the mortgages due, or you have a test tomorrow, or, you know, some bullies picking on you in school, whatever it is. Right. You can immerse yourself in this world that doesn't exist. You know, that's why I can't understand why people want, you know, everybody's like, I want my comics to be more real. Why? Look out the window if you want real. Are comics literary? Because the pictures are just so immense, you know? The pictures are just like, they tell such a story. And I'm like, do the words really matter? Well, if a comic book's written correctly, you don't notice the words. You know, you read the words, but you're reading a movie. If there's a point where you're like, you kind of get pulled out of it because of what you're reading, then it wasn't written well. Yeah, this is like Comics 101, dude. You see that? I could do Kickstarter 101, Cancer 101, Comics 101. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you're a survivor you kind of like tell the story the way you want to tell it? Well, that's the idea. I mean, if you can't tell it the way you want to tell it, why tell it? Is there something that, about the Titan I should know? Like, you know, I've gotten every mean, rotten question out there, but there's something <laughs> I didn't say that maybe or ask that maybe you want to tell the world because you have at the end of the Mighty Titan number five by Joe Martino, the end, question mark. The thing I really want people to take away from this, it is a cool superhero story with, you know, giant mechas and cyclops and mythology. and But there's also a lot of heart behind it, you know, where I, I don't try to philosophize with anybody. I don't try to push it in their face. But there's definitely, you know, I have things in here. There's conversations that I had with doctors, you know, that I've morphed a bit to read to the story. But some of them are exact conversations where if someone were to say to me, this sounds pushed or it sounds it doesn't sound right. It can't be because it's literally what I said and what they said. You know, I want people to understand what it feels like when a doctor says to you, hey, man, you have cancer, you know. You know, the first thing I thought about was my daughter. I know there was a video that I did say she was eight, but it was 2004. So she was like seven, you know, six. Right. And the first thing I thought about is, am I going to see her walk down the aisle? You know, then I thought about my son and my wife at the time and all these things just went through my brain and I really want people to understand what a person who gets a diagnosis like that feels like. To me, being someone's father, it's the most important job I've ever had in my life. It's the biggest job I've ever had sure. in my life. It never ends. You know? Yeah. I'd like to think that the one thing I didn't want to lose through it all was my kids. Because like I said, the first thing I thought about was them. So how could I lose them? You know? <laughs> right. The big important thing when we, when we were separated is I saw my kids as much as possible. You know, I don't want to be a weekend daddy. I live a mile away from them. Uh, I'm there whenever they need me. You know, and that's what's important to me. It's important right. to them that they have a father and they know that, that, that this had nothing to do with them. They didn't do anything wrong. 
and that just because I don't live in the house doesn't mean I'm not there. You're making me feel like this is Oprah or something, man. Ah. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I want you to, you know, you, you wanted the story and I'm giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was going to be a fun comic book show, right? <laughs> the Mighty Titan, number five. The end? Question mark? I don't know. It sounds as though it is not the end, even though Joe says it is. I just want to say this is a hopeful story, but I don't know if I can cast it like that. Mm -hmm. So I would say go to kickstarter.com for yourself and read the text on the page and watch not just one video, watch all four like I did. Mm -hmm. It's like a movie, The Mighty Titan, issues zero through five. (laughs) I think you'll get a good impression about who is Joe Martino. And I think you'll also know who is the Titan dude. Thank you very much for giving me a chance to cast your story this way. Thank you for the interest. I really appreciate it. This was good. I really, you know, had a good time. What makes a book so special that would make parents want to hand it down to their children as a family heirloom? We have a book that has that kind of staying power. There are very few books about girls who are artists, and even fewer um, that have main characters that are girls of color. Kylie's a character that's not afraid to be herself. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, man. It's a pleasure to have you guys on. At the moment, I'm talking, should I pronounce your name, Gabrielle? That's right. All right, Gabrielle and Fernando. And let's give mom some credit since she can't speak for herself. (laughs) And she's RYCJ. And what's the name of the company? It's Osat Entertainment, which stands for One Story at a Time. And they're on Kickstarter. Right now, they're roughly 31% funded, so they could use your help if you really love books and you love a lot of color in your books, because this book is pretty colorful. You said this is your second foray into children's books, so why now? Why Kickstarter? Particularly about Kylie's Purple Hat, when we talked with the author, Jackson Barnes, she's actually local and out in Maryland, the story really excited me because it reminded me when I was younger how my mom would take me to the library and read to me and have me read books on my own. And I just remember how those trips to the library inspired me how to dream and kind of see and imagine what I wanted out of my life. And that's pretty much the character in the book, Kylie. She's so in love with color. She is so inspired by everything around her. She paints it. She imagines these things and her mother is right alongside her, kind of encouraging her to follow that passion. And it just struck something in me like, wow, this is a story. You know, when I was younger, I kind of, it just took me back to that place. I'm like, we've got to work with this author. We've got to put this book out. Right. Yeah. As to why now, I think, We've seen online and in print, we've seen a kind of an explosion of people asking for more diverse characters in children's books. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's even a campaign going called We Need Diverse Books. And we want to fill that gap. We want to be in that space and make sure that we put out stories that are diverse and that include as many people as we can. But I didn't ask you that question yet. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't ask you that question about diversity, man. You jumped the gun. Okay, I said, because this book was so colorful, that was a lead, but I hadn't asked the question, okay, is this book diverse? Or why are you doing books about diversity? 
people are requesting more diverse stories and we want to fill that gap. We want to be in that space and we want to make sure that people have access to diverse stories with diverse characters and that they can see themselves in those stories, uh, especially children. It's very important for kids to see themselves in books and in stories. Are you guys actually a family? We are married two yes. years now and um, my mother is the other partner at OSAD Entertainment. So yes, it's a family thing. Was it like her dream or something to have a publishing company? She knew she wanted to be a writer when she was four. She'll tell you that story if you ever speak to her. But yeah, she's been writing forever, self-publishing her own stuff. And through that whole journey, she realized, you know what? There's a lot of untold stories out here. I actually want to, you know, jump across, you know, the aisle there and become a publisher and work with all these other authors that are trying to get their stories out. So right. yeah, she started it and got us involved. I like the story about this little girl with the cheeks and, and curly hair and stuff like that. And the name Kylie. I was like hoping you were going to have like a Kylie of your own who was like, you know, <laughs> sneak into the, into the interview or something, you know. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, that's so yeah. funny because finding the illustrator to capture this. Because Jackson Barnes, the author, um, right. she envisioned Kylie to look a certain way and, you know, behave, you know kind of exude this certain personality and you know we looked at a couple of illustrators that sort of thing and we finally found one and we talked about it a little bit on kickstarter the illustrator's daughter looks exactly the way the author pictured kylie and we couldn't believe it i mean because we were searching and searching for illustrators and she came to us and we're like whoa this is you know there's something magical about that and you know people say oh well, my daughter looks like you're thinking oh yeah whatever but she sent us the picture and i'm like whoa are you kidding me like we couldn't believe it we're like yep, yep. going with her she's gonna get it and the girl had the headband and everything we we're just yeah, yeah we were she, she, she got it you said something in the video about when the the author when she saw the graphics or the final illustrations she cried you know, we exhaled a sigh of relief and it was a wow moment too. It was an exciting moment because like we were talking about a second ago, getting an illustrator to capture that character and then having the author see it and say, you know, yes, this is it. And, and you know, start crying and tears of joy. It was really exciting for us as a publisher to, to hear our author uh, say that. I think, you know, as a publisher, yeah, there's that fine line because you really are here to help someone tell their story and to nail it and have, you know, her be completely speechless. It really filled us up with joy ourselves. Like, okay, we got it. You know, this is what she wanted. And, you know, I can't tell you, like, <laughs> just to hear, you know, someone being speechless, that's it, that's it. And just, you know, barely saying anything. It's like, okay, you know, we're on the right track. Oh, that's right. You have this, um digital version with almost like an app type thing built in. There is a digital component to Kylie's Purple Hat book. So we have a Kindle and an iPad version. Right. The iPad version is super cool because it's interactive. Like you said, it's kind of like an app where you can go in and you can paint Kylie's hat. Right. A lot of people use an iPad so you can use your fingers and it's very tactile. But what was exciting about the project and this story, the fact that it's about color and textures, yeah. is the fact that we can go back, kind of go, go back in time where books were very physical. They were printed and kids right. would read printed books. That's why we went for a really unique type of book. This is not like the books that you find in a bookstore. This is a handmade book. It's covered in fabric. 
It's going to be foil stamped. It's going to be beautiful. Side sewn. Side sewn, yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's very precious. Bringing it back to a little bit to the past where parents and their children wanted books that felt physical, that they can touch and Have feel. a certain smell to it, you mm-hmm. know? That's a thing we forgot. I'm glad you had your business hat on, Fernando, because I forgot. I mean, some of the biggest things, the biggest selling points about your Kickstarter to me were the hand sewn ness of the book and the foil you know i always love foils i'm a sucker for foil stamping but um (laughs) but anyway (laughs) and what's cool about the kindle and the itunes version after my child or children finally got one Uh they would press on words and it would tell them the dictionary definition of the word the digital version is also going to have a narration so that ipad version is going to be really really cool are you going to read it the narration? No, not really. I don't think you want to hear that. <laughs> I'm just trying to help out, man. Your voice sounds comfortable enough to me. DJ Grandpa said your voice sounds comfortable. Okay, okay. let's make a note. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Is there anything I left out? Any way you think I might have cheated you? Anything like that? You didn't get your point across? I cut you off? I showed gender bias or something and one didn't get their word out when the other one tried. I mean, <laughs> anything like that. The only thing that's left to say is for people to hopefully go check out the project, check out the rewards. I think the rewards are really, really cool. We have the author and the illustrator behind this project. Yeah. The author, as we said, she's in Maryland. Our illustrator is down in Uruguay and she's fully behind this project. Yeah. We have that reward that offers the, um, the illustrator is going to draw a custom illustration of, you know, you're a little artist with Kylie. Uh, okay. Author is going to go out to a private party and uh, do a book signing, read the book for the kids. Bring so, some books for the kids. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Stickers. It's all really, really exciting. As I said, I'm always happy to see new publishers on the block or at least new publishers on the crib. OSAT Entertainment. Go to kickstarter.com. I say check them out out they have a very cool book with a girl who i'd like to say has chubby cheeks but maybe she doesn't you know maybe she just has a rounder face she's very happy looking and the people around her always look happy and it's good to see people having a good time so go to kickstarter.com and check out kylie's purple hat it sounds like it's soon to be nick jr or something to me maybe (laughs) not but they may get that big how do i know so be the first, go check them out and, and, and leave a comment, you know, because it gets lonely out there in the digital frontiers, man. So leave a comment on their page if, if you can. I'd like to thank you, Fernando, and you, Gabrielle, and please say hello to the moms for me because I, I try not to leave them out, you know. Will do, and thanks for having us, DJ Grandpa. Yeah. This is awesome. We yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Two luchadors talk about why they love Lucha Libra. What is Luchador? It's fast, exciting, and the crowd love me. It's a challenge like no other. It's not just brute force and muscles. It's also a battle of minds. What is Luchador all about? How's it going, dudes? Hello. David! You there? Ready to roll. Alright, now, this luchador. You know, I got stuck on just the word luchador. 
those three syllables right at the beginning of your video and it was like I wanted to hear that over and over I, you know I want to reverb that out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> luchador and then having you two guys just kind of box off for like two minutes you know I'm better I'm better I'll take him down <laughs> you're right that was totally cool man I, I don't think you guys are that type of guys but you sure did a good job of acting it out man you and your partner it was me and Leonard so this is Mark Mark didn't get involved in the video this time he just stood and laughed at us but yeah hey man we did that stuff you know well <laughs> I want to welcome both of you to the crib David I guess you're half of Backspindle Games yep and then Mark is the game designer that's correct. Right, for Luchador. And they're on Kickstarter right now. They have roughly, let's say it's Monday night. How long do you have left? Um, Not long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to be 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Wednesday. Now, explain what Luchador is all about. It's set in the crazy world of professional wrestling, but not the WWE style, which by comparison to Lucha Libre from Mexico is, is tame, actually. Right. Lucha Libre is even crazier. They wear masks and they do a lot more high-flying type of moves and all this kind of thing. It's a dice game, which is quite fast-playing. The core game right now is, is two to four players. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign is going to expand that with more dice for three versus three tag team matches and things like that. But um, the basic thrust of it is at any one time you have two wrestlers rolling off against each other and they're tossing the dice onto the game board. There's a very specific rule that the only dice that count are the actual dice that stay in the ring. So if you happen to knock your opponent's dice into the audience, well, good for you. That counts. That would take the opponent down a peg or two because he wouldn't have as much ammunition or something exactly. because there's fewer dice. Yeah, the trouble is the board's a bit small, so you have to kind of finesse it. <laughs> right, right. But once we get the Kickstarter version, you know, you guys keep going, reach some stretch goals or something like that, the board gets bigger. Well, it's well it gets higher. It's a 3D ring with ropes. You guys are going all out. Ropes and all. <laughs> we want people to have the feel of wrestling. Right. The idea really is to, hopefully, it's to have an immersive experience that's really easy to teach and to get into, but still give you a really feel. If you're, if you're interested and if you have any joy at all in watching professional wrestling, you'll probably love it. The wrestling fans that we know are absolutely going crazy, which is really, really cool. And how long have you been testing this game? Was it now, David? About a year and a half, yes? About a year and a half we started this. We played around with it. We played around with the rules, and then we published the version that you have right. at Essen um, last year, and we probably sold about 350-plus games at Essen. It, it was a big hit. It was number in the top 30 of the BGG buzz list of 600 new games the whole weekend. So we played around with that game and obviously published it last year for a minimum order. Um, but because it's been such a big hit, we thought, well, people in the US haven't seen the game, so we'll stick it on Kickstarter. We'll add in strengths and weaknesses individual for each wrestler. We'll add in killer combinations. We'll add in different sorts of matches like cage fighting and Royal Rumble, that sort of thing. Right and see if people jump on the bandwagon and like it. And so far, it seems to be that way. I'm still stuck on the video, man, because you guys did such a good job with the trash talking and stuff, you know? <laughs> well, well that actually happens in the game. That's what's really cool about it. I know, it's, but they pulled it off. That's well, the, yes, yes, true, true. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we're a bit crazy. We thought that would work. We thought people, it's over the top. We thought people can relate to this. And people have. There's people in Australia and people in England and places, and they've set up their own tournaments and they come in the right fits. And they have music and fanfares. We had a live one actually in Northern Ireland, and we had about 14 teams. And each of them picked a team name and they dressed up in costumes and stuff and did their poses. So they, they really got into it. And, and yeah, many of them do talk in Mexican accents. Well, sort of Mexican bad, accents. Bad ones. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that this game is so exciting. When I broke open the box with my children, they, you know, of course, they were thumbing through the rules and talking about the different types of things you could do and, <laughs> and all the symbols and stuff on the dice. So they're very excited to, you know, get their hands on it. And, well, especially if they can pin you. Well, once they pin you, they're going to be running all over the place and just cheering for themselves. You don't know the things that they do to each other at times. <laughs> <laughs> so. You do know how the pin works, don't you? No. Well, you, do you know how pin works in a real wrestling fight? Right, yes. The referee goes one, and then he goes two, and then he goes three, and you're out of there, man. You're gone. Well,. In our game, it's the exact same. If someone gets a pin on you, you get three chances to roll the dice to save, and you got to roll blocks or counters. And everybody else joins in and goes, one, and you roll the first dice. And you maybe get one save, and they go, two, and you maybe get another save. You need one more. And they go, whoa, three. And then you might get lucky, and you might escape, or you're gone in the old chair. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much I'm liking it because my house just gets too loud at times in this Oh, league. well. <laughs> you play you may, this. <laughs> you, may, you may play it outside. <laughs> how does it feel to come back to Kickstarter and, and have this game so successful? I'll be very honest with you. The first Kickstarter we did for a strategy game had me worried second time around for another Kickstarter project. Yeah. Going to the UK Games Expo last week, I was very, 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 very worried about Luchador and Kickstarter. But while we were at the UK Games Expo, not only was the game a big hit there, and obviously got an award, which was great, oh, but yeah, also, I saw that. yeah, also the uh, Kickstarter was churning over really well. You know, lots of comments and lots of interaction. It started to build, and the excitement started to build, not just through the expo, but also through what was happening in a Kickstarter. On let's let's face it, a game that America really didn't get to play too much last year because most of the copies destined for America were sold in Germany. Right. It's good. Apparently, it was loved at BGG Con, and we have a a local group who've well, one of the another podcast actually have offered to use it at GenCon for one of the demo things. You kind of feel vindicated now. You kind of feel that um. That democracy, I guess some people call it, that you got to put a game out there in the marketplace and they decided in your favor. Yeah, people decided that we were genuine guys from you know Ireland and, and obviously Mark's from America, but we're living in England, who rather than, for want of a better description, you know, another game from one of the big companies, right. we're a small couple of guys that, um, and I don't mean physically small. Well, maybe I am. I thought I thought you guys were physically small too. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, well, I, no, I'm 480 pounds. I'm pretty big. Uh, oh, okay. No, but you know, people backed in this instance. What I see is a, a very small company, but to give us even, you know, there's 10,000 people at the UK Games Expo, all right. voting on a game, and we were in there against the likes of Fantasy Flight and Steve Jackson Games and people, and to get an award ahead of some of those guys. 
for this game is pretty awesome. And to be honest, the first people to come over and congratulate us on it was the guys from Steve Jackson. So that's recognition enough for us, which is very pleasing. What specifically was the award? It was the best family game of 2014. Okay, well, you got it. you're going to have my family because they, they are already browsing over everything and they were like, can't we play it now? I said, no, I have to interview the dude now. You got to wait, man. You got to wait. <laughs> so keep the noise down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hell's going to break loose in your house. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's helpful? That's not helpful. <laughs> no, but, but Do you know what? There's a thing in there called laughter. It's a good thing, irrespective of the noise. <laughs> so if this game can bring family fun and laughter, man, they're gonna they're gonna um they're gonna love your game, man. And each of the wrestlers in the basic box has three special moves. Right. When you roll a dice for whichever special move it is, take time to read out exactly what it says you do to your opponent because that makes it so much more enjoyable. Oh, well, I have a stickler for the rules, so you don't... <laughs> yeah, I have a 17-year-old. She is a stickler for the rules. She has the rule book, and she reads it over and over. And so I think you don't have to worry about that. She will enjoy reading out Dolores's number seven damage move, which finishes with Dolores standing in the ring and shouting, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> so for anyone out there you're a wrestling fan WWF or maybe you're into the raw style like they do in Mexico at least that's what they tell me <laughs> but if so check out Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice by Backspindle Games this game is super cool I'm checking it out as we speak along with the children and I'll give you an update Thank you for giving me a chance to talk to you guys. Like I said, DJ Grandpa has the luck of the Irish, and being able to talk to you guys kind of reinforces that for me. Well, I'm glad you got a game, a game all the way from Ireland as well, the boot. Oh, that's right. It's, it's like the real deal. It's not even the American version. Yeah, it came from right here in County Down. Right. Did you sign it? Oh, no. Oh. I just got it in the post. Thank you very much. Uh, no bother. Hope you and your Thank children you. have great times. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel, and we cover the globe. Hi, my name is Glenn Klecker, and this is my son, Nathan. Hi. I've been an engineer and designer and inventor for about 14 years now, and I've designed a lot of knives and multi-tools that you might be familiar with. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, Glenn. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And you have a gadgety gadget. It has a super cool name called the Clax. When I hear it, I envision thunder and lightning every time I say the word. There you go. How did you come up with this idea? I like the tool. I thought it was cool, but you know, everybody that was telling me they liked it, they were either my friend or somebody that was paying to help me work on it. So. You can never be 100% sure that they're not just being nice to you. So when uh, the Kickstarter went up and it funded within in less than three days, uh, I was uh, quite shocked and very pleased. And it's up over, I think, 250% now. Okay, you live in the Kickstarter dream. You ask for a certain amount and you have a multiple of that amount. What does that feel like? That's uh, pretty cool. That's... Uh, Kind of mind-boggling, actually. I was worried that I was going to get any funding. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to find out that people actually liked it as much as I did was 
uh, a very pleasant surprise. Are you hooked? Does that mean you're going to try another one or... Another tool or another Kickstarter? <laughs> I think for you, they're one and the same. Well, I'll probably do another tool. Um, some of the things that I like to design are like knives and stuff, but um, those aren't really... You're, you're not allowed to do those on Kickstarter. You can do an axe, but you can't do knives. Yeah, yeah. We don't make the rules, but you have to follow them, so... You know, I'm just saying the 9-11 crew had box cutters, so, I mean, axe, knife, it's all debatable. How did you come up with the name for the Clax? Because I think marketing is half the battle, and I say with the name the Clax, you kind of score in at a 75%, so it's you have even more than half the battle. Uh, well, if your name's Klecker and you're making an axe, what would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> nah, okay, you ask a stupid question, I guess you get a crazy No, no, reaction. actually, I tried for days with me and my friends and, and some other folks, and the bottom line was we couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> but I saw on your Kickstarter that you went to a knife show, is that? A knife or a tool convention not too long ago? Yeah, there was a show in Atlanta, and the Clax was a pretty big draw this time. It kind of surprised me. I put in uh, into the running for one of the awards, and it got the most innovative design award. But there's a lot of other cool stuff there. I'm kind of biased, but I think the Clax was pretty revolutionary for this year. You can be biased all you want, but I want you to back that up. The concept of taking the head of an axe to the woods and trying to attach it to a handle and turning what was a hand tool into a large, well, larger tool that has some mass and some uh, leverage behind it. You could take a pocket knife, for instance, and you could lash it onto a stick, but probably the best thing you could use that for would be spearing a fish or something, but you wouldn't be able to chop down a tree with it. And that was real in your video, the way that... Now, because I heard that you, you said chop down a log, and so... Before I watched your video, I was like, okay, a log, you know, George Washington in the cherry tree type of thing. I could skin the little branches off a few bushes in my yard and all of that. You know, that's what I was thinking. But then I watched your video, and to me, I was like, hold up. This cat is like claiming he's a lumberjack, and then he's like putting a wedge you know, you see in a tree, but then there's like a 30, it's like a 20 foot tall tree. This is like a real tree. So I'm like, hold up. Is that real or not? That was a real tree. Of course it was. It was 20 feet tall. I'm thinking a little, a bush. It was pretty good size. It was a tree that was, it was dying and it was in an area that was going to get clear cut eventually anyway. So we went ahead and took it down early. Oh, so no trees were really killed for the making. <laughs> you, you're shrewd, man. I like the way you put that. But, but so I could MacGyver and chop down a tree. That's what you're saying, a real tree. The guy in there was a, a real lumberjack. But uh, he used the, the clacks to help uh, wedge over the tree. Right. The entire thing wasn't chopped down with the clacks. He obviously had a chainsaw in there in the in the, in the picture. I <laughs> see. I didn't get that point. All I saw was like, I see. All I saw was the clacks and a tree falling. I didn't get the chainsaw part, and and I saw that he was lumberjack company such and such. So I figured he was a professional. But I figured if I was like in trouble and it was like the A team or MacGyver or something, I could take the clacks and you know protect myself. So. <laughs> you know, that's what I was thinking. Like I say, if you got a four-inch 
diameter tree and you need to pull it down to build an emergency shelter or something, you can get out your pocket knife and start chipping away at it, or you can pull out your clocks and you know be through that tree trunk in a matter of minutes. Like you win this design award, but what do you think the clacks means for the common man? People who have an emergency preparedness kit, the big issue is, you know, well, what do you pack into your kit? You could throw in a hatchet, that's fine, but that doesn't have wrenches. It doesn't have a hammer. Well, you can use the back, I guess. So the idea is that you can take all of the function of the different features that we've talked about, and you can pack them up into a very small, literally pocket-sized package, stick it in your kit. It doesn't take up much room because you can always get a handle later. And then you take that on the road or park it in your house somewhere, wherever you need it. Well, you just used a stick for a handle, right? So it's not even like you have to have a professional handle. On the Kickstarter video, the young lady that made the handle that's shown, that's the first time she'd ever used the clacks. And she made a handle, and she was chopping wood in less than five minutes. And that's why we asked her to help us out. We said, you know, we want to show that there's nothing that would limit anybody from using it. I mean, my son, he's 10, and he can do it just fine, too. Last thing, what would you like to say to your backers? You know, I'm glad they like the tool. That's awesome. But I'm especially thankful that they're believing in the idea of the clacks enough to actually put their hard-earned money out there in support of this project. Now, for anyone out there, check out the clacks. I love tools, even though I'm not a toolsman, even though I'm not a woodsman, but it, I think it's just the guy in me, and my children really love tools because, let me put it this way, a lot of times when it's someone's birthday or something in my house, sometimes I don't necessarily buy them a regular present. Sometimes I just take them to Home Depot or Lowe's and I buy them tools. Sometimes even the girls and they think it's super cool because they did quote unquote didn't get like a toy but they got something that they could actually use in their life. That's why I think the Klax is cool not that you have to buy them one but it's just a tool and it's tools are just cool. I don't know why I get excited over them, but I do it. So go to kickstarter.com. Check out the Klax, K-L-A-X. And if you can't find it there, you can easily find it at djgrandpa.com where we will provide links for Glenn. And congratulations on the award. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's crib, all one word, Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. <laughs>